Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast, episode 10. Today I have two of my teenage daughters with me, and we're going to be chatting about children, freedom to choose, and laziness. If children are given the freedom to choose to do whatever they want to do, Will they choose to do, to do nothing at all? And I'm going to be exploring this question with Imogen, who is my almost 20-year-old daughter, and Sophie, who is 13. Hello. Hi. Now, you probably met Imogen and Sophie. They've been very kind. Um, they've been in a couple of my other podcasts. So I might start by repeating the question. If children are given the, given the freedom to do whatever they want to, will they choose to do nothing at all? Now, now how are we going to start off here, girls? Do you, what do you think, Sophie? No. No. It depends on, I think, what we mean by nothing at all. Yes. So. Because nothing at all is very boring. So you don't think that many children would choose to, abs- to do actually nothing? Yes. What about you, Imogen? I think that's right. So the question is... They will choose to do something, but is that something valued by the parents? Do you think that's right? I think so, because a child's going to do something no matter what they're doing. It just depends whether you think that there's any value to what they're doing in any sort of way. So a, a, a parent could say, he's done nothing at all today, um, but he, he did actually do an awful lot because he, could, he had to live through the day. So he did something, didn't he? Yes. He didn't just sit in a box and do nothing. (laughs) So even if he sat there and thought all day, he did something. But the parent doesn't um, value whatever that child was doing. That's what she means. Yes. Sophie, you said that um, doing nothing is just plain boring and children don't want to do that. So what do you do? If if you don't want to be bored, what do you do? do? Blog. Design my blog. Do photography. Read. Other things like that. So that's what you do. You have the freedom to choose what to do, and that's what you'll do. Yes. Um, What about maths? I do maths for fun. You like that? Yes. What about Imogen? What do you tend to do when when you're doing nothing at all? When I'm doing nothing at all, I like to write or plan writing. I like to blog or read books. So I could look at both of you in the day, right? And I could see you both sitting there with your computers, writing away, and I see that an awful lot. You write all afternoon, you might write in the morning, you write in the evening, and I could say to you, stop writing. You, uh, that's all you ever do. <laughs> you don't do anything but write. What do you say to that one? I like to write. <laughs> writing is what Amy does. So, fortunately, I'm probably on the, uh, another computer writing as well. <laughs> And uh, I value that as writing, and that might be an extreme example, because I think that a lot of um, mothers do value writing. They seem to have the opposite problem to our family. Writing for us is a passion, but a lot of people, a lot of mothers are trying very busily uh, to make their children do writing, don't they? They do, yes. But there's other examples. What about if you were on the computer all day, just playing computer games? Do you do that? No. No? No. <laughs> no. So why don't you play computer games all day? Uh, it doesn't interest me that much. Neither. There are so many other things that we're both interested in that we don't 
feel like sitting there and just playing games for an entire day just seems like a waste of our time. What about watching TV, watching movies? Is that something that you'd like to do when you're doing nothing at all? No. No? Depends what time of day it is. It's a good it's good for relaxation. We like to watch a movie in the evening, you know, with other members of the family, but as a general rule during the day, we prefer to follow our hobbies and do other interesting things and save the movies for other, for evenings. It's a good watching, watching movies is what I do when I'm tired. Right, so there's too many other interesting things to do when you're full of energy. Yes. So we don't have um, children that spend a lot of time on the computer playing games, even though I can't get you off your computer sometimes because you're writing novels and other things like that. But is, do you think that there's more value in writing? Some people say it's okay if you be on your computer because you're writing, and writing is valuable, whereas playing games isn't valuable. Do you think that those children who are playing computer games are doing not much at all? No, I don't think writing's more valuable than playing a game. It's just what you think of as valuable, really. So that they, those children could be learning a lot from their computer games? Yes, they could. What do you think, Imogen? I think so. There's not... Lots of different things a computer game can teach you depending on what it is. So I remember that um, when we were trying out that, oh, what was it called? Movie Zoo, the uh, software animation uh, software. And I couldn't do it very well because I kept getting lost in the three-dimensional uh, space. I kept losing my whole scene because I couldn't manipulate the, the mouse. But Gemma Rose, who's 10, had no trouble whatsoever. And she kept saying to me, hey, Mum, do you want me to find your scene for you? And she was getting it back. So at the very least, computer games and being on the computer does teach you a lot about mouse control, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Which can be applied not just to games, but it can be applied to other things on the computer. There's a lot of things you can be doing on the computer. So, yes. So, children who are doing nothing at all could be following their interests and actually doing quite a lot. Or even they could be sitting there watching TV and computer games, or, and they could still be doing a lot of things, can't they? It, what it really boils down to is the value of those things. Sometimes mothers and fathers value different things than children do. That's right. And do you think that uh, what a parent values should be higher than what the child values? I don't think so. No. No? No. No, sometimes I think that parents feel that they know better than their children because they're older, they're more experienced, uh, they've lived a lot of life already, and that they should be a, ha, have a better idea of what their children should be doing. What do you think about that one? In some ways, the experience is good for guiding the child, but... Only a child knows what they want to do. Only a child knows what they're interested in, what they value, what they find interesting. And you can guide them as much as you like, but you can't really control, you shouldn't really control what they do and what they find valuable. I think sometimes the problem comes with a parent has definite ideas about what their children should be like and what they should be doing, and it's hard for them to accept their children the way they are. And it's not just that. I think they worry about their children too. They worry they won't get a job if they're playing computer games all day or it's safer, a particular area, career might be safer than others, and they should guide their kids towards that. And what the kids are interested in might not seem very secure. But what a child's interested in is what they're ultimately going to do. So ultimately, you're trying to give them, make them do something else with their life. 
And so what you're saying is that a a child has certain talents as well. Their interests follow their talents. So everybody has their own unique talents, which um, are developed through their interests. And that's where they should be going with their lives, rather than have the parent tell them, that they should be doing something that's uh, not as suitable for them. Yes. What a parent should be doing then is encouraging them in their interests and helping them with them so that if they want to turn an interest into a career, they want to use it further down the track, they've had the best possible start with it to be as successful and to do as well with it as they they possibly can. Yes, I'm one of those typical mothers that... Um, didn't go along the pathway I should have, I don't think, when I was a child. be going through the school system. I didn't have a chance to find out what my interests were, even though down, deep down I knew I wanted a right. I never had time to develop it or the encouragement to develop it and ended up doing a science degree, which was totally wrong and because it, it was thought that that would be a good opportunity for a girl. But it didn't turn out that way. I really didn't enjoy working. And it took a number of years to get back to what I really do enjoy, which is writing. So that's a, a good example, isn't it? It is. So. Yeah, writing stories when I was younger wasn't seen as very valuable. But um, yeah, doing science degree was. The arts didn't come, didn't have, uh, weren't as valuable as the, as the sciences. Okay, so a child is could be following their interests, they could be doing things that uh, they're interested in but their parents don't see much value in, but at least they're doing something, aren't they? They're yes. sitting at the computer, they're, I don't know what else, reading books, they're writing novels, they're doing something. You can actually see them moving and doing things. They're doing something that's at least productive. Yes, and whether it's valued or not, you can actually see them doing it. But what about when people look like they're doing nothing at all? They're just... Sitting, relaxing, doing not much of anything. Well, people need quiet time, and you are always at least thinking. What do you think, Imogen? Well, I think there's nothing wrong with sometimes sitting and doing nothing. I mean, adults sit and do nothing sometimes. Everybody needs that period where they stop being busy and just rest and think and relax. Yeah, I think that we tend to... Uh, try and cram too much into our days as a society, as people, don't we? We do. Life is busy, 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 and we tend to think that we ought to make the most of every minute. I was taught that as a child. What are you doing? You've got to do three things at once, make the most of your day, and you haven't got time to sit and actually just think. And I think sometimes people don't even want to think. They Thinking is a bit dangerous sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> but it is for adults. And they don't want that quiet time. They've got out of the habit of having it. But quiet times are good times for thinking, for praying, for just... Um, what, what we're gonna appreciating life. Just appreciating life. That's right. Just, even when you're standing there looking out the window at the flowers or at the sunset, or you're doing something, aren't you? And you're, it does benefit you. Yes. So we do need quiet times as well, don't we? We do. And I don't think that uh, we allow children to have as many quiet times as adults do you no i don't think so because in a child's life you're always thinking about what they should be doing how they should be developing worrying that they're not doing enough worrying that they're not doing enough so that they can get a good career 
So every day is good, especially in the school system, you get that feeling that you've got to cram as much you can into every single minute of the day. And then there's homework afterwards and it's go, go, go for normal school kids, isn't it? And there's no rest. And which is really quite sad, I think. And I'm really thankful that you don't have to do what I had to do as a child. But even so, I think even unschooling mothers do sometimes look at children who don't seem to have much direction. They just sort of wander around and uh, they're having a quiet period. I talked about this on one of my previous podcasts with Charlotte. She was doing things, but she didn't seem excited about anything in particular. And, yeah, I think those times are all right too. Do you think so? I think so. It's It's like a period between interests where you're not quite sure what you want to do and you might not have any big passion, but you might also be exploring and waiting to find the next thing. It's just in between rest, reflection. It's like waiting. a recharge period. I think that's a good point. But I think that sometimes unknown things are going on inside people, aren't they, during quiet times? No uh, one knows what someone's thinking about. Not even thinking, but what's happening in someone's uh, subconscious. Do you think so? I think so. I found that with my own self, that things are going on. I hit a problem, I leave it, be quiet, and all of a sudden you, you get excited about something, an idea comes, and you're off again. And you don't actually have to do anything too much. You, what you need is quiet time, isn't You just it? have to leave it. Yeah, to process everything, and then your brain sort of gets into action again, and off you go again. And I think that's the same for children. So I don't think every day has to be look like it's a, a full-on day, and you can say at the end, well, she did this, 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 this and this what a productive day she's had do you no now I have another question for you girls and some people say and I've heard it quite a number of times that children should be made to do things that they don't want to do so that they get used to it because that's just the way the world is once they're adults they're going to have to do an awful lot of things they don't want to do so it's a good habit to get into while they're a child do you agree No. No. (laughs) Very emphatic no. (laughs) Why not? Well, children already do hard things um, if they help with the chores in the house. Don't think there are many people who really enjoy doing chores every day, but they do them anyway. They do hard things. If you've got a pet, cleaning up after the pet, it's not a nice job. No. Still got to do it. Some I've also heard that uh, some mothers would like to unschool or they'd like to unschool more fully. And they're afraid to because they think that their children would choose not to do those difficult things like the hard chores, that they will leave it all up to a mother and the mother doesn't feel that she has the energy all the time or even the, she doesn't want to uh, do the chores all by herself. It's a, that's not pleasant for a mother either. So what would you say to that? You have to trust your children. If you don't trust a child, they won't do it. They won't, want to, they, won't want, they won't want to be made to do it. You've got to trust that they will do it and model how to behave if they, if they don't automatically start doing it. But I think if you already trust them and they know you trust them, there shouldn't be that much of a problem. They should try to live up to your trust. Right, so you, you, you obviously do chores. And yes. You, and you obviously don't love them all. No. <laughs> no. But you choose to do them? Yes, yes. we do. I don't come up and say, you have to do this and you have to do that? No, we know what needs to be done and we know that we don't want to leave it to any one person to have to do it all because keeping a house clean and tidy and running nicely is a big job and we don't want to leave that 
to any one of us, including mum. So you you call that doing something hard, hey? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Fiji, have you got another example of something that you would do that takes a, a lot of work? There's something that's hard work, but that you choose to do. My piano. Your piano. So what, what do you do? Oh, every day I've got to practice it and work on everything I'm doing so that I can pass my exams. So do you choose to do that? Yes, you never make me do it. Why do you want to, um, uh, why, why do you do it then? Why do you choose to do it? Because it's worth it. I want to learn the piano. I want to pass my exam at the end of the year. And you enjoy playing the piano. Yes, I enjoy playing the piano. <laughs> so uh, that makes me think of something else. That sometimes, that just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. Is that right? Yes. I actually think that some of the most enjoyable things in life are those ones that you have to put a lot of effort into. Yes. If it comes easy to you, it's, it hasn't got the same sort of satisfaction. You yes, get, you get more satisfaction out of working hard for something. So that's a, uh, an internal motivator to work hard, isn't it? Yes. Have you got an example, Imogen, of something else we do that's hard work? Our running, that's very hard work. I think anybody who's ever gone out there and tried to run will definitely agree. Running is not easy. Not by a long shot. (laughs) I remember when I first ran, I couldn't even run one side of the football field and I felt like giving up. Yeah, so I can understand that. But you, you, as teenagers, you also find, see I'm an old mother, (laughs) you also find the fact is that running is difficult? Yes. Saying that running is difficult doesn't mean that you don't do it, and it doesn't mean that you don't run a long way either, because I've seen you running around, and um, we all, we always run about 5K at least, don't we? Yes. When yeah. we go out, so it's not a short distance, we're running together, but uh, it's not just the running, it's getting out of bed in the morning, isn't it? Or going out when it's uh, we're tired, or... It's cold. Cold, yeah, winter's awful for running. The motivation to get outside, you really have to uh, make yourself sometimes, don't you? Yes. yes. Yeah, going out before you've had any breakfast too because that's the only time of day we, that we have that to run because you know, other things are going on in the day. Sometimes that is the only time we have to run, isn't it? Yes. And yes. we just have to roll out of bed, put our gear on and get out the door. I find I don't even think about it. I don't let myself think until I'm down, on, down at the park. <laughs> but that isn't easy, is it? No. no. You kind of have to keep yourself going with the to breakfast. So what do I do? Do I come into your room and say, get up, it's time to go running? No, you come into our room and you say, does anybody want to go running? And then we all roll over and groan a bit. Mum walks out and then we all get up and go running anyway. And I always come out and say, oh, you're coming with me. I didn't expect you to. (laughs) Why not? We do this every morning. (laughs) All right. So that, that, yeah, running is not easy as well, but you still choose to do it. Why did you choose to do it? Because we enjoy it and because we want to stay fit and healthy. And there's a challenge of pushing yourself to run further. And for myself, I really enjoy the challenge of seeing how far I can go or how fast I can go. I think that we're competitive ourselves, aren't we? Because I feel feel the same way. (laughs) But also I've got another reason why I like doing it, and that's because it's a family thing. Yes. It's 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 a good way to spend family time. When we started running, um, it was just a couple of us going. And it was okay, but... It wasn't as much fun as it is now with all us girls and mum going. You really notice the difference when more people go and it turns into a group thing. It's our team, isn't it? It is, and you can compare how, compare your progress and sort of celebrate everybody's 
good runs. And, and you can compete <laughs> and commiserate over the bad ones. <laughs> but I've, yes, yes, I've noticed that uh, the thought of not going and being part of the team has been a big motivator for somebody who's not quite sure that they want to get out of bed and go. And they get themselves out of bed anyway because they don't want to be left behind and don't want to be missed out on being part of the team. They don't want to be the only one who hasn't gone running. <laughs> That's me! <laughs> I've got another example of children, unschooled children, choosing to do something difficult. And this one's to do with um, more academic learning rather than chores and exercise. But I was really quite surprised a couple of years ago when Charlotte told me she was reading Les Mis and she got the great big fat book off the shelf and she chose to read it. And I was quite surprised. And I think this is a good example that unschooled children don't always choose the easy way, do they? They don't. No. no. They like challenges. And she obviously did like a challenge because she read this book, didn't she? It took her nearly a year. But oh, she, I don't think it took her that long. It took her many months. It did. I think she, what did she, yeah, put, um, did she put it down or so? No, she read a bit of it every day. But because it's such a big book... Reading a little bit every day takes a very long time to get through the entire book. Especially when you're not enthusiastic. Well, yeah, she didn't particularly enjoy the book as a whole, did she? She said that it had too much history. The storyline itself was all right, but she didn't enjoy the history side of it very much because it took a, it diverted from the story too much. And too I'm, much history. Yes. What do you call that? Something about info dump, wasn't yes. it? Yes. And she taught, told me about this one day, and I said, well, why don't you just leave the book if you're not enjoying it? But she wouldn't do that. She was absolutely determined to finish it, wasn't she? She made herself finish it. Soldiered on to the end. Yes, yeah, and there was a couple of reasons, why I think, why she wanted to finish it. And one, she said to me, uh, I want to be able to say, I read Les Mis, which is something that not all people can say, can they? Not many can. <laughs> I can't say that, and no. I... I can't say that, and I'm a mother, and I've had the opportunity, many more opportunities of reading it than she has. And I'm not even thinking of contemplating doing it. There's a lot of mothers who haven't read that book, but she has. As a probably 15-year-old, she read that book. And I also do think she enjoyed it, because I remember at the end, she had a few tears when she read the ending, uh, and she couldn't finish it off at her piano lesson, because she said she didn't want to snivel at, in public at her <laughs> piano lesson, and she closed the book and brought it home and read it in the privacy of her bedroom and finished and came out for a tissue and wiped her eyes and I think that uh, to, a, to have that happen reading a book it must mean that your emotions were engaged and you actually did enjoy it so I do think she did get something out of that she persevered to the end and she did get something out of it even though it was hard work now a parent could force the child to do certain things couldn't they they could um, they might think that they know better they might think that they can't trust a child to make the right choices but when a, per a parent is actually forcing a child to do something, uh, it's an external motivator, isn't it? It, it is. If a child is trusted and given the freedom to choose whatever they want to do, I believe they will make good choices. And uh, the motivation to run or to um, do the chores or to read a difficult book or to follow their interests or even just to sit there and think. All the, the, it's an internal mot motivator, isn't it? It is. And it is important as well that children are motivated from themselves because when they grow up and when they leave home 
and when they're not living with their parents and there's no one to make them do things, they have to already have that motivation to do things themselves because otherwise the chores won't get done, they won't follow their interests, well, they might still, but it they, well, they, might not, a, they might not even know what they are if they haven't been allowed to explore them. Exactly. They need to be self-motivated before they, before they leave home. And that's what parents should be doing. Not making their children do hard things, but encouraging them and supporting them so that they can be motivated by themselves and still have the support that they need while they're developing this self-motivation. Yeah, I think everything goes back to the point of being a good example, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I think that um, children will follow the good example of a parent, do you think? I think they will. They'll just, they pick it up naturally. Whatever they see around them will be what they pick up and use in their own lives. Well, we all follow your example. So I think that even most people would agree that if you want a child who reads, then uh, the read parent yourself. Ha- read yourself. We've all heard that example a lot of times outside homeschooling, outside unschooling. We, everybody, even teachers say that. You've got to have a reading atmosphere in a house, don't you? You do, yes. So how about if uh, a, a parent chooses to le- le- live a lazy way of life and then gives the children the freedom to do whatever they want. Perhaps they'll live a lazy way of life as well from their example. That's quite probable. <laughs> what do you think? It'll be all they know, and if, if the parent doesn't do a lot of stuff in a day, the children aren't going to see a reason to do a lot of stuff in the day to, either. So you don't think that unschooling children are lazy? I don't think so. No. no. If we did, we'd be calling ourselves lazy. You think so? <laughs> yes unschooling children and if they've given, been given the freedom to do whatever they want to do, I think that we have proved that they're, they're not lazy, are they? No, certainly I, not. I certainly don't think any of you girls are lazy. I'm really quite uh, in awe of what you fit into your day. You're very generous, you're very hardworking and none of you don't do that because I'm always on your back telling you you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You're always very generous with your time, you're considerate and you do an awful lot in each day, which doesn't mean to say that I don't mind you sitting doing nothing at all either. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would just like to thank you for helping with my podcast today. Thank you again, Imogen, for coming along and spending some of your afternoon talking to me. And thank you, Sophie, for adding your thoughts. I'm always uh, interested to hear what you've got to say. And if anybody would like to go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, I'll see if I can find some blog posts um, to put into some program notes. You might also like to visit my Facebook page. It's a relatively new page for my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I'd really love it if you go over there and like my page. And what else? iTunes. If you'd like to subscribe to my podcast through iTunes, that's possible too. And we'll be back next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I've got some ideas. I'd like to talk about teenagers and rebellion. That might be a good one, hey, Imogen? I've got three teenage daughters. We might have a good conversation about that, but we shall see. So please join us uh, next week. Until then, thank you.